Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast endorsed by me, All-American Jumping Seat Rider, Taylor St. Jacques. Now here's your host, Auburn Elvis. Yes, that was All-American Jumping Seat Rider, Taylor St. Jacques. Um, Yeah, so we've got our first endorsement. It's interesting, I'll go ahead and give you a little behind the scenes on that. We uh, contacted Taylor during the off season and we said hey we'd like to do an endorsement now that name image likeness is legal and so taylor was interested now at the time everybody thought taylor was coming back to auburn and so we were going to have our first college athlete who endorsed the show then her plans changed and she decided to go on uh, pro and leave auburn so we still continued with the process and got her endorsement but that does mean that we are now still in the market for our first college equestrian athlete endorsing the show and we've reached out to one in particular so uh get back to us jazz hands so let's talk about some college equestrian since last we spoke everything ended uh we had the national championship for both the single discipline and dual discipline um we all know that sweetbriar won the national championship in the single discipline and georgia won the national championship in the dual discipline so congratulations to both those teams again We also had some exciting news. The NCEA has announced that they are going to be moving the national championship tournament from Waco, Texas, down to Ocala, Florida. And there's a new facility down there, the World Equestrian Center. It's very nice. It's it's top-notch. It's basically like a a dang resort, y'all. So it's going to be really nice and fun in April when everybody goes down to that. We also have a couple of new schools that are joining the NCEA. I believe these are NCEA Division III schools. So we got Dartmouth College, we got Sacred Heart University, and of course we're welcoming back SUNY New Paltz that took last year off. And we also have a lot of stuff where everybody's just trying to get back to normal. Um, but then of course things look like maybe they aren't getting completely back to normal, but you know how that is, we're working through it. But everybody's got new recruits, but we also have a lot of people that have uh, taken advantage of their super senior season because of the um, COVID year. Everybody gets that additional year if they want it. So there's going to be lots of changes and rosters are going to be swollen and it's going to be harder for people to get into the starting lineup. And it's just going to be a very big, interesting year. And we're going to see how all that shakes out. Now, with the season right around the corner for most teams, we're just talking about what's going to happen. But we actually have a real live equestrian meet that did happen this weekend. It was a pair of single discipline teams, Lynchburg and SUNY New Paltz. Now, I mentioned that New Paltz, they took off uh, last year due to COVID restrictions. So it is really cool to see them get back into the saddle, both figuratively and literally. The meet was actually pretty close. Lynchburg ended up winning 6-4. to four. The Hornets took fences 4-1. to one, And then the Hawks, that's SUNY New Paltz, took the flat three to two. Um, no, speaking of the score, I want to mention that New Paltz, they were the host of this. And uh, unlike some of the bigger schools who have everything going through a live document online that's constantly getting refreshed, well, New Paltz, uh, their score sheet is a linked Google spreadsheet. And you just click on it and you go there and you can see them making changes to it in, in live action, which is pretty cool. You can also see other people's Google accounts, and you can see kind of who's looking at the score sheet along with you. So shout out to Lynchburg's Taylor Herzog, because her mom, Jill, was also watching the score sheet at the same time I was. So I really love that family aspect of the sport, and um, yeah, so that was cool. 
Oh, also, I do want to note that this was Lynchburg's first ever NCEA meet victory. So, congratulations, Hornets. All right, so now let's talk about the preseason um, and some rankings. The NCEA releases their rankings every week, and pretty much every week they are mostly wrong with those rankings. Now, I actually release my own rankings just so that you folks can know how good these teams actually are. Um, I have not released mine because uh, it wasn't until this past week that most everybody actually released their official rosters. And so, you know, not knowing who actually was coming back this year, that makes a big difference as to how good these teams are. Of course, the NCAA rankings people, they don't care about that. They just go by based off of favoritism and, and Ouija boards and stuff. So um, the only ones that really haven't released it at this point, I think it was Georgia and maybe some of the smaller schools. Texas A&M just released it this weekend. So I now have taken a look at that and I uh, know who's coming back for them. With Georgia, they did their uh, black and white scrimmage, so I was able to kind of look at that and get a good idea of who's coming back. And they, uh, you know, they they do these summer stories on the seniors. And so I was able to go out on LinkedIn and Instagram and sort of confirm that some of these girls are no longer in the South. They are up in the Boston area, so they're probably not on the team anymore either. So after all of that, I can now tell you with some degree of certainty who is coming back and how much talent that represents in terms of what we know about. Everybody has freshmen that they've recruited, so those are kind of the unknown quantity. But for what we know, I can tell you that the NCA rankings people, um, they messed up a whole bunch. So let's talk about how they messed up. Uh, number one, they had Auburn ranked number one. And I think that's very sweet, but um, they probably should have looked more closely at who the Tigers are losing from the roster. There is no Taylor St. Jock. There is no Michaela Langmire this year, and there is no Deanna Green. And that is a tremendous amount of talent. Each of them competed in two events, so that is six riders, essentially, that you're losing. And they were worth about a third of Auburn's points last year, so it's going to be tough for Auburn to replace that much uh, point talent. So I'm not sure that I would have Auburn in the number one position, right? at least not right off the bat. In second place, they have the defending national champions, Georgia. And uh, Georgia, like I said, they haven't released their official roster, but we've been able to piece it together. Now, Allie Trichler has moved on, uh, and Isabella Heckler has also left. But other than those two, pretty much all of their other starters have come back. And that's a lot of talent, probably a little bit more than Auburn. Plus, they have a transfer student, Kayla Shellnut. Two years ago, she was a freshman at Auburn, and she was an All-American. Well, she took last year off, and now she has transferred to Georgia. And so we kind of know how good she is. She gets almost a full point. So once we add that in, yeah, Georgia's going to have some good talent, at least right off the bat. In third place this year, they have uh, last year's runner-up, SMU. Now, the Mustangs are going to lose Aubrey Alderman, and that's about it. They return pretty much all their other scoring talent from last year. However, there is one big caveat. Last year, SMU rode mostly four-on-four meets. They did not ride a lot of five-on-five, and so their talent after those, that fourth rider didn't get a whole lot of experience last year, so we don't know a lot about them. And when you think about it during the season, they're going to be competing in a lot of five-on-five meets. So I'm not sure that right off the bat, they're going to be able to hang with some of these bigger schools who typically do ride five-on-five. At number four in the NCAA rankings, they have Oklahoma State. 
Now, the Cowgirls are going to lose uh, Katie Shell, then Harley Huff, and Sydney Gamar from their uh, starting lineup, but they return just about everybody else. So they're losing a little bit of talent, but we're going to see how they try to recapture those uh, points with new recruits and developing their existing riders. I think number four is in a, in a pretty good area um, for them. At number five, the NCAA rankings people have Texas A&M. Now, I'm going to tell you, of all the teams in the nation, the Aggies have done the best job at retaining their talent from last year. The only starters that they lose are Ali Selman, Cameron Krenwingle, and Reagan Bryant. So the Aggies figure to be a very deep team this year. At number six, the rankings people have TCU. The Horned Frogs are going to lose Alex Dennison, George Meadows, Anna Halter, and Sarah Armenta from their starting lineup. And that actually is a fair amount of talent for them. It's about a quarter of their points production. So we'll see how they do in trying to replace that. Next at number seven in the NCAA rankings is Fresno State. Now the Bulldogs are going to lose Sarah Tuck, Haley Livingston, and Paley Capacci from their starting lineups. And while they're not going to lose a ton of points from those three leaving, Fresno State didn't have a whole lot of points to begin with. They rode a lot of four-on-four meets last year, and so their fifth and sixth riders really didn't get a ton of experience. So it it remains to be seen what we're going to see from Fresno State this season. At number eight in the rankings, uh, the NCAA has Baylor. Now the Bears are going to lose all everything Rachel Davis from the lineup, so everybody can cheer about that. And they're also going to lose Gia Guglielmo, Clara Johnson, and Casey Scharf. That is actually a fair amount of points for them, represented by those girls, so we're going to see how good the Bears do at replacing those riders. At number 9 in the NCAA rankings, they have South Carolina. The Gamecocks are going to lose Louisa Brackett, Tyler Petrie, Billy Bradner, Taylor Keelum, Gabby Broussard, and Addie Cromer from their starting lineup. And with all those names, they actually don't lose a ton of points production. So I kind of think that uh, South Carolina is going to do a fair job of replacing those points. And at number 10 in their rankings, the NCAA has UT Martin, which is very surprising to me considering who the Skyhawks are losing from their roster this season. They're losing Abby Hopkins, Quinn Reed, Grace Rogers, Bailey Newland, Devin Woods, Tess Ballman, Lucy Ear, Noel Meadows, Hannah McDonald, and Aaron Bledsoe. That is basically half of their starting lineup, and it represents over two-thirds of their scoring points from last season. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that there is no way that UT Martin is the 10th best team in the nation. I'm sorry, Skyhawks. I love y'all. Y'all have always been so nice to me, and, you know, our relationship is kind of based on trust, so I have to just level with y'all and tell you that you lost a ton of talent. But you know that, and now the, the listeners do too. Now, there's also some teams that did not make it into the NCAA rankings. The first of which is uh, UC Davis. They lost uh, one rider from their starting lineup, Charlie uh, Zarek, and she represents about a third of a point per meet. So I expect the Aggies to do a pretty good job uh, this season of replacing those points, and uh, they return a lot of experience. Another team to keep an eye on is Delaware State. They lost a fair amount of talent on the jumping seat side. They lost Zoe Kirsch, Sydney Wickland, but they have a backup Wickland, so that's okay. Uh, Aaron Gordon and Zoe Kirsch. But the good news for the Hornets is they retained all of their Western riders, so it's not as bad as it could have been. And the last of the dual discipline teams to look at is South Dakota State. The Jackrabbits lost a few starters like Haley Katstrup, Jocelyn Willey, and Casey Gardenier. But I think they will be able to replace at least a few of those points uh, this season. 
Now, I also want to mention that I had to go back and calculate the stats last year for some of these teams, uh, particularly for the Jackrabbits, because they don't compile the stats into a single document like most of the other schools do. I had to go back through all of their official score sheets, and I just want to point out that UT Martin, you need to fix the official score sheet in equitation on the flat in the ECAC semifinal that you guys wrote against the Jackrabbits because you list Rachel Head twice in equitation on the flat, and you know that's against the rules. You can't have a rider twice in the same event. And I think that it should be listed as Ashley Hess. And I even went back and looked at the Twitter feed during that meet. And sure enough, when the Jackrabbits were tweeting about it, they mentioned Hess instead of Head losing to uh, Quinn Reed. So if you guys could just go fix that official score sheet, Skyhawks, that would be really great. Um, So that is a quick rundown of the incorrect rankings that the uh, NCAA has just put out. Now we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at all the team schedules, and I'm going to give you my impression of those and get you ready for the new season. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Okay, we are back. Now, earlier we talked about that meet between Lynchburg and SUNY New Paltz. So let's give you a quick rundown of those schools and give you an idea of their schedules that we're seeing. Um, uh, teams like Dartmouth, Sacred Heart, Lynchburg, Bridgewater, Sweetbriar, and soon New Paltz, they are all going to be riding against each other, and then they're going to ride against um, a lot of the IHSA schools who don't really have NCA teams. But you're also going to see these single discipline schools popping up on the bigger school schedules. And that is great because, one, it gives the bigger schools a chance to ride some of their riders that wouldn't normally make it into a lineup against another big school. And two, it gives the smaller schools an opportunity to really measure themselves up against those larger school riders. Hey everybody, this is Auburn Elvis. I am interrupting my own podcast because when I was doing the editing, I realized something. This next part is boring. Now, that's okay. Some people really dig it, so we're going to leave it in. But what we're going to do here is, for those of you who are probably going to zone out a bit, I'm going to have this sound. And then I'm going to break in with a comment that is basically all you need to pay attention to in that section. So when you hear this sound, you can start listening again.
Um, now let's talk about the dual discipline teams. These are teams that do jumping seat and western riding. First, we're going to start with defending national champion Georgia. Uh, they had their red and black scrimmage this week, uh, and in about two and a half weeks, they are going to go to Auburn. It's really cool because these two teams like to schedule that fall meet in conjunction with the big football game. And that's actually a really nice little event because if you think about it, it gives the visiting fans something to do on that campus that includes their own team. Because typically on a football game, you know, you go there, if you're a visitor, well, everything is centered around the home team, which is normal. But here we have an example of something that if you're visiting uh, Auburn, you're a Georgia fan, well, you could go to the equestrian meet because that is something that involves Georgia. Some of the notable non-conference meets that Georgia is going to have, they're going to have Fresno State on their schedule. They have SMU in the fall. In the spring, they're going to host Sweetbriar, and then they're going to go up to uh, South Dakota State in February. So that's kind of a a synopsis of Georgia's season. If Georgia can get past Auburn right out of the gate, they are probably going to go undefeated in the fall. Their spring schedule is pretty good, too. Next, let's talk about SMU. They ride in the Eastern College Athletic Conference, so they're going to face teams like Delaware State, UT Martin a lot, but then they also have some big non-conference meets uh, where they're going to face Auburn in October. Two weeks later, they will face Georgia. They'll also ride against Fresno State and Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas A&M later on in their schedule. So if any of you SMU fans think that I might have been a little bit hard on your team uh, in the beginning, just wait because you are going to get a chance to prove me wrong because they're going to face some of these bigger schools uh, during the season. SMU should coast through their conference play, but they are going to have some trouble with Auburn, Georgia, and Texas A&M on the schedule. Now let's jump over and look at Big 12 and talk about Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls had an absolutely horrible schedule last year because of how long they waited to get going, and then they had that winter storm, and it pushed everything back even further. So they came out of the gate stone cold, and they got upset pretty big in their first meet last year. Well, that is not going to happen this year because they have a nice, normal schedule just like everybody else. They start off against Baylor, and then they have a meet against Auburn, and then they go fully into their Big 12 schedule. Uh, They do have some non-conference meets against uh, SMU, and then in the spring, they're going to ride against some of the lighter teams like UT Martin and UC Davis, and then they're going to finish up with a big one against Texas A&M, and then probably an easier one against Bridgewater College. So, that is a good, normal schedule, and much better than last year's schedule for them. Mother Nature really had it in for the Cowgirls last year, but this schedule should be a lot better. Their early meet against Auburn and their very late meet against Texas A&M will give us a good gauge of their season improvement. Now let's talk about UC Davis. I know I'm jumping all over the place. I'm going to keep you on your toes today. Um, So here we go. The Aggies had the absolute worst schedule of anybody last year uh, because of COVID. The only team that they rode against in their regular season was Fresno State. They did it four times. Now, they did beat Fresno State one of those times. And after the regular season, they went to their ECAC tournament and they lost immediately to Delaware State. But this year, the Aggies have a much better schedule. Um, Or it's actually much more exciting because they get to play teams that aren't just Fresno State. They start off against South Carolina, then they go play TCU and SMU, and then they get into some of their um, uh, conference competition, and then they jump back over into non-conference where they'll play against uh, Oklahoma State, and they finish up with Fresno State, New Paltz, Baylor, and then Fresno State again. So this is the year that UC Davis is really going to be trying to upset some teams, and we'll see. Maybe they can do it. 
UC Davis has a nice mix of easy and difficult teams on their schedule, so we should get a really good picture of how competitive this team is. Now let's jump back into the Big 12 and talk about Fresno State. After their scrimmage from last week, they are now ready to get set riding against uh, South Carolina. And then they're going to have a Big 12 meet against uh, TCU. Uh, They'll take it a little easy, and they're going to ride against Lynchburg. uh, But then they go visit Auburn and Georgia in consecutive days. So good luck on that trip, uh, Fresno. About two weeks later, they host Oklahoma State. And then they're going to have a pair of meets against SMU. And then they go back into their Big 12 schedule. And then they end up with a couple of meets against UC Davis uh, sprinkled in there as well. So that's the uh, Bulldog schedule there. This is a much harder non-conference schedule than last year's quartet of meets against UC Davis. Good luck, Bulldogs. Now let's look at the South Carolina Gamecocks. They have a scrimmage coming up next week, and then in a few days later, they're going to ride against UC Davis all the way out in California. Then they're going to swing through Fresno and ride against Bulldogs before jetting over to Texas for a meet with TCU in that same weekend. After that, they get into the thick of their SEC schedule facing Texas A&M, Auburn, and Georgia in consecutive weeks to close out the fall. In the spring, they open up against Auburn, then they go out to Waco to ride against Baylor. They'll swing through College Station on the way back, and uh, then they end up hosting Georgia like a week or two later. And then they're going to finish up with some easy meets against Delaware State and Lynchburg. And that's actually a pretty good schedule for South Carolina because, you know, they've got a a chance where they focus on all of their conference meets all at once, and then they have... um, sections where they basically are just riding against exclusively non-conference teams so that way you know they can just worry about elevating their overall rider experience level and not so much about the conference race. I really like how this schedule puts the conference meets so close together and I'll be interested to see how that works out for the Gamecocks. Most equestrian teams don't do it this way. Now let's talk about Baylor. The Bears' schedule really flips back and forth between non-conference and conference meets almost on a weekly basis. This is nothing like South Carolina's schedule. They're going to start off against UT Martin, then they ride against Oklahoma State, and then it's Texas A&M, and then it's TCU, and then it's Auburn, and then it's Fresno State, and then it's Texas A&M again, and then it's Oklahoma State, and then TCU. So we did get two conference meets in a row there, um, uh, but then they face South Carolina, and then it's a conference meet again against Fresno State. Oh, and then they finish up with two probably easy meets against SUNY New Paltz and UC Davis. So that is Baylor's schedule, just back and forth, conference, non-conference, conference, non-conference. So we'll see how they, uh, how they navigate that. Baylor rides against all the good teams except Georgia, and they really mix it all up, having some easy opponents one week and then a tough one the next. I think this is going to work out pretty well for them and keep things interesting throughout the season. I will say it's really interesting how Baylor and Texas A&M are going to ride twice in two non-conference meets. We don't really see a lot of those uh, between the Big 12 and SEC schools, and that's probably because, um, you know, they're they're so far apart. But these two schools tend to be pretty close together, so it makes it kind of possible. Now, speaking of the Aggies, they are going to begin their season up in South Dakota State versus the Jackrabbits. Then they're going to make a visit to Baylor before getting into their SEC schedule against South Carolina and Georgia. Next, they'll host a pair of easier meets against UT Martin and Lynchburg before finishing up the fall by hosting Auburn. In the spring, they kick it off against Baylor again, and then they'll ride through all three of their SEC opponents, and they are going to finish up with SMU, Bridgewater, and Oklahoma State. 
I think this is really cool how their schedule is going to finish up with those three non-conference meets because that is going to give us a good indication, at least two of them will, of how the Aggies stack up against national competition before we head into the postseason. Texas A&M is probably going to look really good in the fall. I'm interested to see if they can get past Georgia in that early meet. Their spring schedule ends with a pair of challenging non-conference meets that will tell us if they are ready to compete in the postseason. Now, let's look at TCU's schedule. We can see that they have a schedule that's a lot like Baylor's where they flip back and forth between conference and non-conference almost every other week. Uh, They begin with an easy exhibition against uh, Tarleton State, which is an IHSA-only school. Then they ride against Fresno State, then South Carolina, then UC Davis, then SMU, then Oklahoma State, and then they visit South Dakota State, and then they throw in a ride against uh, Minnesota Crookston up there for good measure. Then they will finish off the fall against Baylor. In the spring, they get a little bit more concentration. Uh, They have some of those non-conference meets against Delaware State, UT Martin, and SMU right off the bat. And then they're going to face their Big 12 foes, Baylor, Fresno State, and Oklahoma State, before ending up with a jump-and-seat-only meet against Sweetbriar. Yay, Sweetbriar! TCU's non-conference schedule has SMU twice, which is expected, but they avoid both Auburn and Georgia. So now let's jump back over to the ECAC and talk about UT Martin. The Skyhawks start off against Baylor. uh, That's coming up next week. And then they go over to uh, Delaware and they're going to ride against Delaware State and SMU at that same weekend. Then they're going to travel over to South Dakota State for their turn at the Jackrabbits. And they're going to finish their fall against Texas A&M and Lynchburg. Once the spring rolls around, the Skyhawks have a pair of conference meets against SMU and Delaware State, and then they'll ride against TCU and then face conference foe UC Davis and close out their spring against Oklahoma State. And they have an exhibition against Miami of Ohio, and then they have sneak in two uh, meets against Georgia and South Dakota State there. UT Martin has a really challenging non-conference schedule. They ride against Georgia, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma State. That's going to be a tough ride. And I'll say that we are definitely seeing a lot more meets this year than last year, and that's that's to be expected. But this might be more than what you'd see in a typical year, at least more non-conference meets. And that's because I think a lot of teams are really raring to get back into the non-conference things. Um, They only rode against conference teams for the most part last year, so everybody is really trying to get more uh, experience against non-conference teams. And so you're seeing a lot of travel, and I think that's great, and I think it's going to help every team. So, let's see. Who have I covered? Have I left anybody out? Oh, wait. South Dakota State. The Jackrabbits have a really interesting schedule. Uh, Like Auburn, they only released their fall schedule, um, but because everybody else has pretty much released their full schedules, we can kind of know what South Dakota State's schedule is. They're going to host Texas A&M, UT Martin, and TCU. And then they get an easier part of their fall schedule where they go against Minnesota Crookston, UC Davis, Delaware State, and Sweetbriar. In the spring, they're going to host Georgia and Minnesota Crookston, and they're going to be making a visit to UT Martin before the conference tournaments begin. South Dakota State also has a challenging non-conference slate where they host Georgia and Texas A&M. So, uh, let's see. Checking my notes, it looks like we did forget one more team. There's this small land-grant school in rural Alabama called Auburn. Now, as I mentioned, the Tigers are going to start by hosting Georgia, and then they're going to go out west and ride against Oklahoma State and SMU. They'll return to the Plains and host Lynchburg, Fresno State, and South Carolina in a two-week span, and then they finish up the fall with meets against Texas A&M and Baylor. 
Now, we've also mentioned that since Auburn hasn't released their spring schedule, we don't exactly know who they're going to face, but we can tell from everybody else's schedule that nobody outside the SEC currently has Auburn on their spring schedule, so we're not really sure who they're going to face outside of the uh, SEC. And we're going to you know, keep an eye on that, and I'll let you know if, if uh, anything changes. They could be adding uh, South Dakota State, for all we know, because, of course, they haven't released their spring schedule either. So we'll see how it all works out. Auburn does a lot of traveling in the fall, and will have a very challenging schedule in that half. I wish we knew their spring schedule, because right now it doesn't seem like they're going to ride against too many teams other than their SEC foes. And before we go, I want to drop a quick message here about me and how I'm covering the sport and just the show in general. Last year was very frustrating for all kinds of reasons, but one of the most frustrating things was how after continuously trying to gain media access from several different schools, I was basically told no over and over and over again. And that's very disappointing for a lot of reasons. Uh, Some of those reasons are just personal to me, but I think a big reason that y'all can appreciate is how basically 90% of everything being written about this sport is done by someone who is employed by one of the schools. And what that means is there are a host of questions and story angles that fans would want to know about, but they are never going to be asked because they might not cast a team in the best possible light. And again, that's the main goal of those 90% of the people who are writing about this sport. They're employed by these teams, and so they want to write things that make their teams look good. So, for example, I think it would be very important for someone to ask Greg Williams at Auburn, well, what is his outlook on this team after losing so much talent in the offseason? Particularly in Equitation on the Flat, where the Tigers averaged about three points last year and about two points has now gone out the door. So how is he going to get those points back? I think it would be very interesting to hear his answer on that, but no one is asking him that question. Another example is, it would be really neat if somebody would ask Texas A&M coach Tana McKay how she's going to determine her starting lineups because she is so loaded with uh, so many good riders. And there's actually a decent chance that whenever they lose a point in a meet, that they actually have a rider sitting on the bench who could have probably gotten that point for them. And I think fans would be interested to know what's her response to, you know, are you second guessing your lineup decisions because you know you have so many talented riders sitting on the bench? But again, that question is never going to be asked because the people writing about Texas A&M Equestrian, they're employed by Texas A&M, so they're never going to ask that question. And it really seems like I'm the only one wanting to ask these questions and that the people in charge of giving access, they don't want to let me have access. So you fans are never going to get to hear those responses to those kinds of questions. And I think that's a real shame. And I think it's holding our sport back. So I'm just going to tell you that going through this offseason, it was a basket of emotions, people. It was very frustrating. Uh, It did make me question exactly what I, I want to do with this show and how I cover this sport. I had some conversations with Kyle Loomis, who runs the E2C network here, and he was very helpful and supportive and said, basically, look, Auburn Elvis, whatever degree you want to cover this going forward, we will support you. Whatever changes you want to make, we're going to support you with those. We we just want this to be fun. And I really appreciate that. So coming out of, you know, basically looking at all these people being frustrated and just saying, hey, what you're doing doesn't matter. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not professional, whatever. I'm just saying, you know what? This needs to be fun. And that's what we're going to focus on this season. If there is some part of this job that is not fun, well, I'm probably not going to do it. (laughs) You know, I'm just going to focus on the fun parts of this job. And uh, that's how we're going to do this. We're going to have a good season and we're going to have fun with it. Now, there are probably going to be some people, 
you know, who don't enjoy what I'm doing. That they're like, you know what, that's not real. Well, guess what? I'm going to distance myself from you because you're not fun. But hopefully there are going to be some people who are like, you know what, we appreciate what you're doing. What you're doing is worthwhile. Those people I'm going to hang around with and interact with because y'all are fun. And this is the part of that is the good part of the job. So that's what I'm going to do. I, you know, I don't need the frustration. I want it to be fun and this should be fun. So let's have a fun season, y'all. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening. War Horses. Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.